Well, Lord, we are hungry for your word, so fill us with your spirit. Open our hearts and our minds to the message that you have for us in your word today. Amen. Well, you know, last week we read from the first 14 verses of the first chapter of Colossians. And today we'll consider the rest of that chapter. We're spending about four weeks in this uh, letter to the saints at Colossae. So listen now for God's word for us in the first chapter of Colossians, starting at the 15th verse. Verses that answer the question the uh, sermon title asks, who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to prepare you to be holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, being a servant of this gospel, I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I became the, its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints, to whom God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that they may present everyone Mature in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <coughs> Who is Jesus? The scholar Mark Powell writes that Jesus Christ is the central figure in the New Testament, adding that every book of the New Testament is written because of him and in some sense about him. Now Powell points out three facets, three aspects of Jesus' ministry. First, there was an itinerant ministry. You remember that John the Baptist did his preaching in the wilderness and, and the crowds came to hear him and be baptized. 
But Jesus was on the road taking his message to various groups and various towns. The second thing he points out is that Jesus' ministry was rural. There were some cities, large cities in Galilee, like Caesarea and Tiberias and others, but the Bible does not say that Jesus ever visited them. His focus was on villages and market towns, places like Bethsaida and Capernaum. He began his ministry reading and preaching in the synagogue about Isaiah's prophecy. But sometimes he preached from a boat, you remember, and for that matter, his most famous sermon was the Sermon on the Mount. Well, the third facet of Jesus' ministry was that it was it's primarily Jewish. Paul says that uh, Jesus frequently taught in synagogues. He quoted from the Jewish scriptures. He discussed such topics as how the Torah might be best observed and how the writings of the Hebrew prophets were to be fulfilled, especially Isaiah. The New Testament does describe Jesus having various encounters with Gentiles. Well, for example, in the eighth chapter of Matthew, we read that of the Roman centurion whose servant was healed because of that Roman's faith. And in the 15th chapter of Matthew, you read about the Canaanite woman whose daughter was healed. But for the most part, his ministry was Jewish. So his ministry was itinerant, rural, and Jewish. That doesn't answer the question, who is Jesus? As a my Baptist sister-in-law gave me a set of commentaries by a good Baptist preacher and writer named Cecil Sherman. He says these particular verses are important because there's no more powerful summary of who Jesus is in all the scripture. So how, how do these verses that we read from the first chapter of Colossians, how do they answer the question, who is Jesus? Well, first, Jesus the image of the invisible God. You and I have often heard that Jesus being referred to as Emmanuel, which is to say, God with us. But some of the philosophy of New Testament days said that anything material was evil. So the idea of Jesus being God in the flesh, that was hard for them to accept. But then remember what Jesus said in the 14th chapter of John. He told Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Secondly, there's the matter of Jesus and creation. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and earth were created, visible and invisible. Thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things were created through him and for him. That is, Jesus was fully and truly human and fully and truly divine. Now thirdly, Jesus is the first and supreme. He himself is before all things, in all things. In him, all things hold together. Then the Colossians were told he's the head of the body, that is the church, the beginning, the firstborn. So that he might be first place, first position in everything. The fourth thing these verses tell us is that Jesus is our salvation. That means He's the means of God's saving grace. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile us, to bring us back to him. The fifth thing these verses tell us is that 
Jesus is the head of the church. You know, I mentioned that the Constitution of our denomination, the Presbyterian Church of the United States, has two parts. There's the Book of Order, and it sets out all kind of rules, form of government, of how we, how we worship, how we govern, and how we discipline. Let me just tell you what that part says about Jesus Christ and the church. Almighty God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and set him above all, above all rule and authority, has given him the all power in heaven and earth, not only in this age, but in the age to come. God has put all things under the lordship of Jesus Christ, has made Christ head of the church, which is his body. The church's life and mission are a joyful participation in Christ's ongoing life and work. It also says that Christ calls the church into being, giving it all that's necessary for its mission in the world, for its sanctification, that is being made sacred, special, and for its service to God. Christ is present with the church in both spirit and in word. Christ alone rules, calls, teaches, and uses the church as Christ wills. And then Christ gives the church its faith and life, its unity and mission and order and discipline. Scripture teaches us of Christ's will for the church, which is to be obeyed. In worship and service of God, the government of the church matters to be ordered according to the word by reason and sound judgment under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And then Christ is the church's hope in affirming with the earliest Christians that Jesus is the Lord of the church. We confess that he is the hope and that the church, in the church is Christ's body. It's bound to his authority and thus to frees us to live in lively, joyous reality of the grace of God. And then it tells us that Christ is the foundation of the church. As we just read, in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Through Christ God reconciles all things. In Christ's name, therefore, the church is sent out to bear witness to the good news of reconciliation with God, with others, and with creation itself. Well, that's part of our church constitution the book of order. That's what that says about Christ. The other part of our constitution is called the book of confessions. It includes various statements of faith, such as creeds, and later in this service we will use the Apostles' Creed to affirm our faith. The book of confessions also includes catechisms, that is, sets of questions and answers used to teach about our faith. I spent a lot of Sunday afternoons memorizing those questions and answers. You know, that, uh, the first one and the shorter catechism that we used to learn was, what is the chief end of man? Now it says humankind. We've gotten more sensitive and sensible about our language. It says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And also defines terms like covenant. A covenant is agreement between two or more persons. And all the Sunday school teachers know covenant is an important concept in the Bible. We have lots of lessons about that. Well, 
Back in 1991, our church adopted what's called a brief statement of faith. It's more detailed than what we recite in the Apostles' Creed or some of the other creeds. Uh, it summarizes our beliefs about Jesus this way. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor, release to the captives, teaching by word and deed, and blessing the children, healing the sick, binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain, giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the powers of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. Well, today we focused on verses from the letter to the Colossians and how they answer the question, who is Jesus? And we've looked at what our church says in its formal documents about who is Jesus. But that's not the question that matters most. The bigger question, the most important question, the question that only you can answer is this. Who is Jesus to you? Thanks be to God. May God who knows us and loves us, who calls us and saves us, bless us with vision to see, faith to believe, and courage to act. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.